Welcome to Sheep Stuff You Should Know. I'm Dan Macon up in Auburn, Fine Mule Sheep Company and UC Cooperative Extension. And I'm Ryan Mahoney joining y'all from Rio Vista, California. Amy Livestock. It's, gosh, it's almost mid, it's the first week of June or July, my God. Yeah, this it is. when you're having fun. Episode 40, we've been doing this 14 weeks now, Dan. That's that doesn't seem possible. No, not at all. <laughs> um, so, have stuff to talk about. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, we uh, missed you last week. You're off on a big adventure. What were some of the highlights? How was your trip? Oh, it was great. It was great. I'm sporting my new Idaho University of Idaho Vandals hat. Nice. We got a great tour of U of I um, last week, and and. Uh, Went through um, the Palouse country in, in Washington and Idaho. God, we spent a little time on the Oregon coast and camped with our daughter in, in the Bitterroot Valley in Montana and just had a great, great time. It was, it was really a, a great time as a family to be together. And it was cool listening to you guys talking about raising your kids in ranching and seeing my older kids kind of bearing out what you guys were talking about you know it was really really cool uh, that's awesome that's what a, th those trips like that are just that's some of the best family time you can ever have it seems like yeah you know memories that that for an old guy like me will last the rest of my life about stuff we did and yeah. emma caught her very first trout on a fly rod in montana which was awesome oh man yeah. and, uh, it tastes good <laughs> how do you cook <laughs> how do you cook your trout uh my favorite is little flour and drop them in a cast iron skillet until they're yeah. crisky yeah about, know that. about the same a lot of butter <laughs> yeah. yep yep eat them like corn on the cob yep yeah uh, that's good especially the small ones are the best yeah. anything anything under about nine inches is just it's perfect yeah. i love it yeah well, good stuff. So, what well, did you do last week other than talk to Joe? How was how were things in Rio Vista? <laughs> well, it's it it was hot and then it got cold and windy and we had uh, that last episode we recorded. There actually was a fire on our place. It, it was oh, yeah. a small little fire, but it literally, yeah, I, it was uh, that was fun. But no, we've just been moving along. It's summertime, so we're kind of getting into the that uh, standard summertime mood where. We're working on fences, maintaining things, uh, getting into some of our, you know, we, we rebuilt our Sorton Alley, one of the ranches, and uh, just kind of maintaining feed. We're dry and, and feed's a little short this year, so we're, we're scrounging to go on some grain stubbles and things like that. But it's just good summer, uh, nice summer pace that we're in right now. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. good time That's to weird. be podcasting. <laughs> especially in the afternoon on a day like this right oh yeah yeah how, <laughs> how hot is it up there today you know it's not bad um it's probably mid 80s up here and it was real windy when we got home which kind of makes you nervous with with the fire danger the way it is but uh, yeah it's a nice day today and it's supposed to kind of be this way the rest of the week it sounds like what's how's how hot is it down there oh mid 90s well, wind's dying down though. Tomorrow's supposed to get up up to a hundred, and then that's going to be hot. Yeah. So. Yeah. Try to go out and kayak in the delta in the evening or something. 
No, that'd be nice. Yeah. That's, I get to go to Truckee for work tomorrow. And nice. It's always a good, you know, always nice to be in the mountains. Throw that fishing pole in the back seat. and It might find its way into the truck. You know, On you accident. Know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look what's here. Oh, huh. <laughs> even got bait. <laughs> uh, so what are we going to talk about today? Oh, today's topic. I wanted to talk about tools of the trade. So I wanted to talk about some sheep tools, the unique sheep tools that you use in your everyday shepherding life. And so I wanted to, I figured we'd start by just talking about, you know, the all pictures you see a sheep have the shepherd with a sheep's crook or a sheep shepherd's staff. Yep. And this kind of could maybe fall into lingo, but what what makes a good, I assume you have one, and what makes a good sheep hook and why, or crook? Yeah, yeah. No, that's, it, it's funny, I was, I was thinking about that the other day. Um, we were working sheep. I, I like kind of the old style, I call them a sheep hook, you know, a leg crook, and uh, they're hard to find anymore. But uh, I like using the old iron or steel ones that are, are kind of springy a little bit. Just exactly like that. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm a short guy, so I tend to cut off the handles and make them a little shorter than most guys use them. But how long is the handle on that one? So this, this sheep hook right here that I got, it's a, and I, I'm 100% the same. I love the nice old style spring. It's something about the metal and these old ones that, they just don't have the same, like a lot of the new ones, they, after a couple of uses, they fly open. Whereas yep. these just, they, they maintain their tension real well. But this, this um, hook I found on the ground on one of the ranches and it's hard to see, but if you look into the screen there, you can oh, say it says Dix, Dixon Livestock Auction. And so back in the day, uh, one of the big, sheep auctions was Dixon, California, back when they had a ton of plants. And this was one of the staffs that was stamped Dixon Livestock Auction. And I had the Shanes, Jimmy Shane, he offered to buy this from me. He's just like, name your price, I'll buy it. And I said, no, I'm keeping it. <laughs> yeah, it's, this, is, this, is, this goes on my wall. This isn't a usable one. Cause, uh, but it's amazing how, I mean, this is probably, I don't know, this has to be like 30 years old. And it, but the wood is still just fantastic. It's got good tension. The hook's in good shape. And I mean, it's, it's really a nice, nice deal. Where do you get your hooks today? If you've got to go buy one, where do you get them? There's a place up in Idaho. I can't remember the name of it, but there's a place in Idaho that sells them still. Okay. Um, okay. I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember the name. It's a feed store up in Idaho, kind of that Buell Burley area. Yeah. Yeah. The last ones I got, I got from, uh, from Will at Utah um, Wool Cooperative and I, he may get them at the same place, but uh, I've, I've used some of the newfangled ones and I, I take good care of the, those kind now because I know how, how much better they work. Yeah. Every couple of years I, or we'll take, I'll take the old ones and when they're worn out and I'll do maybe one or two a year. And I started this last year where I paint them gold. Oh, I cool. Got, I got like bright, you know, metallic gold. And I, so I got my golden sheep hooks that I make now for, 
Okay. That's cool. That's cool. But, but yeah, it's important. And actually a really good spot to find sheep hooks are, um, is going through the old barns. I found a couple on the ranch oh, going through some of those old barns and you find one and then you just take the blaster and you get the rust off and tighten it up and maybe do a little patch welding on it. And those, those, those work and I, ones you buy. I've started every new year's Eve day. I take all of those tools that have wood handles and I'll, I'll sand the, the handles and put a good coat of linseed oil on them and, and uh, just kind of a way. It's, I, I like doing that kind of stuff with my hands anyway, but I think it makes all that stuff last a little longer too. Oh, a bunch longer. We end up, how do you lose most of your hooks or when you, when they break, <laughs> where do they break? Um, you know, I've had handles break. I've never had the, the steel spring on me or break yeah or i've had the pins come out of the handle mm -hmm. uh, that wood will dry out sometimes and, and the pin will come out of the handle and then you'll lose the head off the handle um yeah. how about you how, uh the wood yeah. breaks usually snaps yeah. in half or something it's the guys catch it maybe wrong or someone catches yep. it wrong and then a sheep moves the wrong way and it'll just snap yep um yeah we have had like on some of the newer hooks that we've bought we've had them where you catch you and then she does something and the, the hook just slices wide open. And oh, then, yeah. Then that becomes a good hook to help guide lambs when you're walking pairs or something because you can kind of put the hook um, on, on the head or in the belly and it's a nice wide hook that you can kind of lift and move them with without bothering That's, them. We use a, uh, a, a neck crook, which is more what people think of, I think, when they think of a shepherd's crook. Yeah, so the describe that tool. What's the difference between the hooks we've been talking and the? Yeah, it's got a. I've got one out. I think just right outside. Maybe I'll go out and get it. Um, but it's got a, a bigger hook to it, and it's maybe the hook is maybe, you know, six inches, five six inches, and it's it's called a net crook. But we we typically when we're trying to catch lambs or guide lambs, we'll catch them around the chest. Yeah, that way, and it's just a, a good way to kind of extend your you reach a little bit if you've got to catch a lamb to doctor it or, or do something do you, with it. Do you ever use those kind of those, those wider hooks? Um, because the, so the leg hooks, a narrow hook that's maybe yep. three inches wide yep. and has the spring loaded deal and you put it on a back or a front leg and that's how you catch them. But yep. then that, that crook, I I'd call that a crook. Yes. The wider that, ones, that's a, what hook, I, a hook would be the leg hook, which would be the yep. narrow one. Yep. And so on those crooks, do you ever use those to, um, on your use at all like to turn the heads or things like that uh, on occasion or you know particularly during lambing if i'm out catching lambs and i've only got the crook with me if i need to catch a ewe i'll i'll use a dog to kind of keep her attention and then use that um use that neck crook on her but i i really prefer the leg crook if i'm having to catch yeah. a bigger animal i think it's easier on them and it's certainly easier for me to to do how about you? Uh, I don't. I don't own a crook, and we don't use them. Um, just it's with the hooks. We just use the hooks as best we can. And then if we're directing traffic, um, we prefer. I prefer pa a paddle, a rattle paddle. Yep. Because it's a big, wide, usually a bright color that you use as a visual. And then if yep. you need to get their attention with it, you shake it and make some yep. noise. Um, a couple of guys like the flags. Uh, I'm not a big fan of a flag, but um, a, couple, really. 
couple of guys are pretty good with them and know how to work them. Um, and of course, working sheep and cattle is different. It's they're yeah. similar type animals, but cows are so much more independent than sheep yep. that it, it, it's slightly different. But uh, I'll use I'll use one of those neck crooks when removing pairs, yeah. not necessarily to guide them, but but I can tap the ground behind sheep and it makes a little noise, kind of like a paddle. And that yeah. I'll use it that way. But you know, typically with a dog. Um, they convince them to move the direction we want to go. Anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah. I use a, but the hook I use to, so at Lamin, I always have a hook and I got, I have my one that I like and it's a, it's on it. So it's about seven feet long. So it's a tall yeah. one. And, um, I really like it. It, it, it's always impresses me how you use that hook or that, that, that stick and you can put it out so far that just by having that extra reach really directs the livestock because yep. you get just the, you get the tip of the stick into their flight zone and it moves them. Yep. You don't have to go over there and scare them. You just have to get something in that zone and it'll direct them because they do want to stay with the bunch. They don't necessarily want to go off on their own. Yep. Unless you have maybe a crossbred you, that, those kind of get a little goofy. <laughs> <laughs> there's always, there's always one. Yeah. There's always one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you ever use a cane? I don't, but your your Dixon Livestock Auction hook reminds me. I have actually. I think my sister has it now. My granddad raised hogs as a kid in Iowa, and we have his hog cane from the 1919 Iowa State Fair. Wow! That he carved his name and and carved the fair into, and uh, that's that's kind of a neat family heirloom wouldn't be worth anything but to a making but it's 101 years old now exactly that's awesome exactly. so do you do you got any you guys use canes or anything like that uh, we don't use canes i do know uh T tim gallagher lamb buyer he he's got a cane that he uses quite often i think it's a dixon livestock auction stamp one <laughs> or at least one of them was um he used to have a bunch of those but uh but yeah i I've seen them used, but they're um, they're just a little short for kind of what I like to do. And um, yeah, they I like I like the uh, I like I said I like the rattle paddle and I like the the long hook. Yeah. Um, I also, you know, I was back in um, I was at, back in the desert, and I came across some guys that were using um, I can't I think it was a a birch seedling kind of you know maybe a four foot tall uh inch wide stick yeah. and that thing just that that really worked really well too for directional type stuff i mean yeah, you, you, know, you 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 kind of put it in the way you want to go and then you can walk on it when you're going up the mountains and then you wave it the other way it's pretty it was pretty handy i had one for three or four years in my truck and i know i left it at a ranch somewhere but that's typically how i lose a hook because i'll leave it yeah somewhere yeah so what about, um, I guess we already talked about using tools to move and direct them, but what, what about, um, what kind of tools do you use to identify your sheep, the ID livestock? So, you know, we talked about ear tags um, mm -hmm. several episodes back, and we do, we ear tag everything. Um, we've started using those Shearwell electronic tags um, with really good success. I, I mean, they're they're hard to read visually, but 
um, we can color code them to do different things. And we, we put tags in, in left ear versus right ear, depending on whether it's a terminal or a, a potential replacement U. Um, but we also use a lot of the scourable marking paint. Um, so we'll use that, you know, if we're working a pen of lambs where we're given vaccinations or something, I'll put a little spot on their rump after I've given them a shot. And that tells me that I've already done that one. And that's the aerosol kind? Yeah, that's what we've started using. Um, and we'd make, you know, it's, I think it's really important to, to make sure that scourable paint that'll come out of the wool um, and not to allow that paint to be frozen. I mean, that's probably not as big an issue down there, but we will get, you know, down in the, the low twenties here in the winter time. And once that, that paint freezes, if it gets much colder than that, it's not going to come out of the wall. So we, we do pay attention so, to that. So is it, it, it'll freeze onto the wool if it's wet on the wool, or is it just, if it's on the wool and it freezes, then it's a lot harder to get out. I think it's actually a chemical change in the can to the chemical components of that paint. But that's a good question. I don't, so if all you I, have, is I, I read the warning on the can. So if the can gets frozen, then the, that paint will then stick yeah. to the wool and won't be scourable anymore. Yeah, that's what I understand. That's fascinating. Um, I had no idea. Do you guys, do you guys paint brand? Yes, we've been limiting it every year. We we used to paint brand. Um, we paint brand twice a year or use, and then we put the preg scan number one, two, or open on the U. And uh, we went to one time a year. This right after shearing this last year, and it, it's it is really important to have kind of your ranch brand because we've had mix-ups before. Yeah, and it's hard to depend on just an ear tag because you end up losing two, 3% of your sheep because you'll lose yep. two, 3% of your tags if you have a mix up. So um, yep. we don't, we don't do that. We like to have a brand, but if we put one brand on, it'll stay on that sheep for a good solid six, seven months. Um, it gets really faded in the winter time, but um, we're going to peel that wool off in April. And so we, and we want a nice clean fleece. Our yields have gone up since we've stopped branding as much. And then this year, we're actually going to not put the paint brand for the preg scan on the back this year. We're going to record the data in the tag, separate our bunches, and go from there. And then if we have to resort something, we can just auto-draft. Hopefully, um, they have, when they get real heavy bread, they don't always fit down the chute. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> do you, where do you get your, uh, your ranch paint brands made? Have you had those custom made? Uh, so the brands themselves, we, it's an E. Yeah, and we build them our we just weld them together ourselves. Usually. Okay, we my favorite ones are made out of um, um, either one's made out of rebar. Yeah, is really pretty nice. The other one is the same kind of that. I guess it would be maybe a half inch diameter, uh, but it's solid without the grooves for the e yeah. and then the handles out of rebar, and that's usually what we use. But then we have like seven or eight. The guys get bored in the summertime and weld up a brand <laughs> maybe i'll commission your guys to make me one of those m milliron okay. brands so we could but the problem is is that underscore the under arch so once you get kind of you get too much going on it, yeah. muddy, it muddies it up because you're yep. dealing with the wet liquid and so if you 
you know, you put it in, pull it out, and then you stick it on that wool, you'll end up with just a giant splotch. And you you'll get a see that's the blotch brand. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll see that a lot in a lot of guys' brands where they'll have like a letter inside a circle. Anything inside a circle, it usually ends up Tough going that do. way. Because the other thing is when you put the brand on, you pull it off, a little bit of wool always sticks to that brand. Right. And so right. by the time you're on cheap fifty, you you have a you have some arches yeah. that weren't there before. You have a thicker, yeah, thicker iron too. Yeah, but it's I, really important just to tap it in and not soak the brand. You just want to tap the brand into the paint. A lot of guys, they'll just drop it all the way in and go yeah. out. But, yeah. Just reading, rereading one of my favorite novels um, by a Montana author who's definitely been around sheep. And uh, he was talking about checking sheep in the mountains. And the paint brands would have, a, would have the ranch brand. And then a bar above them, if that you was was nursing twins, huh. and I always thought that was kind of an interesting way to to keep track of those types of things when you're out. And maybe don't you know those guys were not ear tagging at all, but there's all sorts of different systems that people use to. Do you ever use ear notches? We use ear notches. Um, have used ear notches in the past to mark coals. Um, we haven't done that since we've started using the electronic tags because we can program that into the scanner. But uh, do you guys use notches at all? Uh, we used to. We used to have a, a almost like a split ear on one side, um, but we stopped doing those when we went to the electronic tags. Um, but then, uh, but there's a lot of. I mean, that that's a pretty interesting way. There's a lot of. Um, they actually have registered ear notches in the mountain states, and that's how when they go to the range, the range inspector they go and make sure those sheep are their sheep is they yeah. go all by ear notches and it and they have registered brands too but a lot of it's a lot of ear notch so it's an ownership ownership yeah. notch in those yeah. cases interesting and there's a lot of different kinds i've seen some guys get pretty creative yeah <laughs> yeah notches. yeah 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 do you use the panel tags at all we have in the past um <clears throat> with we kind of want some sort of visual tag just in our lambing system so that um we can we can read a tag from a distance if we need to but i think <laughs> this is this is my uh frugal nature at work i had a bunch of free scrapey tags that i decided i'd use up before i went out and bought more panel tags and works great we'll uh we'll keep using those till they're gone i think yeah <laughs> We use, we use panel tags in our in our fine wooled rams. So any ram okay. that's fine wooled, will put a panel tag in them. So that way we can sort them because a lot of those rams they get the horns and running those through a chute is pretty <laughs> yeah. sorting alley can be pretty challenging. So we we try to do that with them. Uh, Are they color coded or anything like that? Uh, yeah, they're all the same color, but it's there's no other tags. So yeah. if they okay. have it, they're from there. Of course, we have the ranch scrapey tags. Some of those are panels. Some of them are clips. It all depends yeah. on what they are. So We've uh, used the, the electronic tags as our scrapey tags since we started with those. Yeah, we do that too. But the the rams we buy in that come in with the oh, ranch right, we right. bought it from scrapey. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, what about bells? Do you use any bells? What are bells used for? We do use bells on about 
10% of the use. So on our small scale, not very many. Um, but we use it for primarily for if sheep get out of our electric fence paddocks, especially at night, <laughs> we can hear the bells and find them. Yeah. Um, which is kind of helpful. I have a theory that I haven't proven scientifically, but I rarely see rattlesnakes where we've got to use. Huh. And my theory is that those bells vibrating are annoying enough to the snakes that they go somewhere else. Um, huh. I don't know how I would test that. I guess, guess I'd but you got to send some bells to the Irwins and let them. <laughs> that poor Jamie had a picture of one of her dogs got bit. I saw that. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. You guys use bells at all? No, no. I have quite the collection though. That. Yeah, we got a lot of them, but we, yeah, we don't use bells. We're just, we're, we're all under fence and it's all permanent fence. It's just not necessary in our country. Yeah. So. Yeah. We, um, I've got a couple of bells that some old timers gave me that I still use. And I, I kind of like that part of it too, that yeah. you know, there's, there's bells that have been at sheep on sheep in this part of the world for 7,500 years. And it's nice to yeah. keep use, I think. We got some hundred-year-old bells sitting up there from some some places. They're yeah, they're they're really neat. They got a neat neat sound, and you yeah, know yeah. they're you know they're unique when it's a when it's a nail welded to a hook welded to a nut, you know. And it, <laughs> I've got a couple like that too. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know all the the cattle guys where I grew up that went to the mountains all belled their cattle. Oh yeah, yeah, and. Um, you could tell when the cows came out of the mountains because you could hear them from a mile and a half, two miles away, getting the bells taken off in the corrals. Yeah. yeah. I've got got some friends up there that still make their own bells when they go oh. to the mountains with their cattle. That'll be darn. And where's that at? That was up in Sonora, Tuolumne County. Oh, yeah. Um, south of here. A little That's way. rugged up that country. That's a, a place you need a bell on a cow to find her most of the And a horse. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And a good dog. Yeah, and maybe a tent, a camping tent just in case. <laughs> <laughs> or wait till it snows and look for tracks. Yeah. Um, what hey. about say hi to Dan? Hi. How are you? <laughs> oh, he's scared. <laughs> um, how about do you like the electric net or electric wiring for your portable fence? You know, for our purposes and we could probably do a whole session on electric fence at some point um, because we run in areas without a lot of permanent fence and reasonably close to county roads that um, where people are not used to driving carefully um, we like the electronet quite a bit um, I think for us we've become pretty efficient at, at putting it up and taking it down I have used the, the three wire poly wire, three and four wire poly wire fences um, on occasion. And, and I think they're a lot less labor intensive and certainly easier to move around on flat open ground. But uh, for our kind of our needs, we use a lot of the electronet. You yeah. guys use a lot of the just straight poly wire, don't you? We use the straight three wire. We're more rural, so we can get away with it. And, yeah. um, and it works pretty good. The other thing that makes a difference is the, um, I don't know what type, but like the crossbred use, or if we get any kind of 
some of those um, uh, like blue face, lesser Texel, any of those kind of breeds, they don't respect it the same. And right. or versus the kind of the finer wool Rambouillet, it's not a problem. So, I mean, if the more of those kind of sheep you have, the more you probably should go with some kind of electro net. Well, and I think it's important to kind of train your sheep to the fence yeah. they're going to be in too. I, I think it's tough to take naive sheep and put them in electric fence and expect it to work. How do you fence break them? Do you, do you fence break sheep at all? We have in the past right now, because we're not buying a lot of outside sheep, you know, the, the lambs learn from their mothers. Mm -hmm. But when we've had naive sheep like that, we'll try to run a small paddock as hot as we can run it inside a permanent fence um, so that they get a shock the first time they encounter the fence, a good shock. Yeah. And um, we'll even do things like wet the ground down and, and do some other things to increase the conductivity of the fence. I've... Uh, Observation wise, I've found, I think this is probably true with cows too, that if their first encounter with the fence is from their ears forward, they'll back up when they get shocked. If they can get their heads under it and their first shock is behind the ears, they squirt right through. And that's kind of, we try to set it up so their first encounter is on their nose. Yeah. If, if possible. Do you guys do anything to train? Yeah, we get um, we get lambs in out of the mountains right off their their ball in lambs right off of the ewe. So um, they're and they've never been in fence before, and so they're fairly naive to that stuff. And so we'll take a field and we'll have perm. It'll be permanent woven wire on the perimeter, and we'll put the lambs in, and then we'll run an electric wire maybe halfway through or something like that. We just run it through the middle, so that way they can. And get it as you know, get it to run hot. Make sure it's clean and working right, so that way they yep. can get used to it. And usually, we I we used to do that right away, but they end up walking through it so often in those big bands, especially at night, they get spooked and just go. And so, what we've been doing is we actually will leave it out for uh, two or three days because those first one or two days they'll just kind of they're they're just walking and they're very they're a little nervous. Yeah. And so you kind of let them get that out. And with the woven wire fence, they don't, they don't really go through that. And then once they're kind of after a couple of days, then we'll throw in the hot wire to teach them. So that way they're not as excitable and we don't have to rebuild it as many times. And they're not adjusting to all sorts of new things. Yeah. They, they got to find the water. They got to find this. this yeah. They've never seen this lush green feed. Like, <laughs> this yeah. They've been scrapping on sagebrush for a bit. So yeah, it's, it's a, uh, it's a challenge, but it, it's, yeah, when you can get them broke, it, doing it right is important. So. Well, and I think there's another piece of equipment that, that we keep around relative to electric fence, and that's a tester. Yeah. Um, so that particularly if we've got new sheep, we kind of know how hot the fence is running. Yeah. And it allows you to troubleshoot if you got a problem. I think that's a really important piece of equipment that yeah. sometimes gets overlooked too. Well, what about, uh, what about lambing tools? What's, what's in your lambing kit? This will be fun to compare. This will be real fun. I, uh, let's see, what do we keep in our lambing kit? So the tools that we keep in the kit are driven by kind of our system for, for processing and recording new lambs. And because we're pasture lambing as opposed to, to barn lambing or, or jug lambing, 
we dock and castrate within 24 hours because otherwise we're not going to catch them till we ship mm -hmm. back to irrigated pasture. So um, we use elastrators for that and um, kind of rethinking that maybe this coming year we might do something a little different. But um, for now, we, we keep an elastrator in there. We keep our ear tagger and tags in there. Um, keep a, a little bottle of iodine to dip umbilical cords. Um, and then we paint mark the lambs with their mother's ID number. So a single gets a blue number on its left side and a twin or a triplet gets a red number on its left side. And that kind of allows us to, if we have to mother somebody up or something like that, it gives us a good visual reference. Uh, we keep lamb hobbles and we have used lamb hobbles. If we've got, you know, a set of twins that we need to keep together for a little bit or, or if we're trying to process one lamb and the other one keeps wandering off with mom, we'll hobble a lamb. Um, I think the, the best hobbles I've got are the ones that you gave us um, when you came up a couple years ago. Uh, we take weights on our lambs if we're doing research. I don't weigh everything, but if we're working with a researcher that wants lamb weights, we'll, we've got a little digital scale and a sling. Um, what else? Keep a tube if we've got a tube feed a lamb for some reason. And we do keep um, some soda bottles with the little red nipples on them if we've got to bring a lamb in to, to give it a little extra groceries or something. You like, like the little red screw on ones better than the black ones? I do. I do. Do you guys use the black ones? Yeah, we do. Why, why do you like the red ones? Just because I can find them. Yeah. And I, they seem to work pretty well. They flow pretty good and you can kind of change the orifice size yeah. pretty easy on them. Yeah, Why we like, like the black. We use the black ones. I, I, I like them. Um, I think it's more, um, it imitates a nipple a little better. Okay. And then, uh, but we, we will, almost all of them, you have to slice the, make it open it a little wider. Um, you can open them too wide too when they're right. first first learning. You need it tight, and then so right. I'll actually have I'll have a couple of them that are kind of for teaching lambs, and then the other ones are for feeding lambs that are already kind of keen to the bottle. Yeah. So, so the ones that they're keen to the bottle are a little wider, and they can get more faster. But then the ones that are learning, you want them to really learn to actually suck. So you want to you don't want it just free flow because they won't learn to to get the suction. But I, I like the black ones. We've discovered two new kind of tools in the last couple of years at lambing time that one in particular this last year, um, I'll keep a, like a, just a rope halter if I need to catch a ewe and I can snub her up to a tree or something if I need to milk her out or get a lamb pushed up underneath her. Um, but we discovered this little device called an utterly easy milker. And it's a, it's a hand suction milker with um, an inflation like you would put in a, a cow milking machine, but it's sized for sheep, sized for that size teeth. And you put that up under the udder and squeeze it a couple times to build vacuum, and it'll strip out that ewe in 20 seconds. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. And so, if, you know, if I've got a, a lamb I got that's not figuring out mom or mom's not letting it nurse or something, I can take that out in the field and, and get you know, a pint of, of good colostrum into that lamb with a bottle or with a tube feeder if yeah. I've got to, and it's, it's really slick. Well, especially for some of those engorged teats, you're able to yeah. slim them down. Yeah, exactly. 
Huh. So, yeah. I'll have to look into that one. Yeah, I'll I'll uh I'll send you the info. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah. We also started using um some Shearwell lamb raincoats three or four years yeah, ago. Yeah, I saw that. And um they're they're cheap, they're like sixty cents a piece. But if we know we've got bad weather coming in where it's gonna be low forties and rain and wind, we'll put those on new lambs. And um they're biodegradable. I was worried we could never get them off the lambs once we put them on. But after about a week, they start falling off. And, and uh, it's, they're, they have, we've saved lambs with those. It's been a good, huh. a good tool for us. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. What, what's in your lamb kit? Oh, our lamb kit. So our lamb kit consists of our lamb barn. Because we, we're, we're barn lambing a lot of our stuff. The number one tool is going to be the hobbles. Yeah. Um, so in the morning, and we could make this into a whole lambing episode, but I want to save that for October when we're into it. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah we, we use the hobbles. We'll, we, we go through everything in the morning and anything that's twin or triplets will pair up with the hobbles and then we'll come back and we'll pick them up with our lambulance trailer. Um, but then other tools, you know, we tu- tubes, uh, the the stuff for the bonus lambs, the bummer lambs, we, we have, um, we, uh, we've got a milking machine a couple years back that we've been using and that's been a huge labor savings for us. It really helped with our, our bum lambs. Um, we used to graft a lot. We don't graft, we didn't graft anything this last year. That was a huge labor savings. And, um, but when we graft, we'd have ties and halters and stuff to hold the U in place and, we've gotten rid of a lot of that um but then as far as like my container that has all of my stuff in it for lambing um i have uh my milk mixing stuff so i have an automatic hand mixer i have a hot water like a little electric kettle i got um a water filter i got a i always have a brita filter there so i can use fresh water because i feel it's important on especially on those fresh lambs to filter the water because it's just well water out of a tap, but just take, take everything you can out of it before you mix in the milk, the colostrum or stuff. I think it helps the lambs. Um, Once they're on it, then you can kind of expose them to some of that stuff. But until those antibodies are really in them, it's, you can run the risk of getting them sick just from the water. So yeah, I have the Brita filter. I have a, a ton of, ton of rags. Like they're washable kind of washcloth type rags. I got a bunch of those that we use for just everything. Um, then uh, we have the we have a bunch. Of, I go and I buy a bunch of the Coke bottles I like the best, and I give them to the guys and make them give me the bottles back. I don't drink soda <laughs> really, so I let them drink the Coke, and then I get the bottles, and those are the milk bottles for the lambs for the season. Yep. Um, and then all the stuff Dr. to clean. Dr. Pepper it. is our brand of brand of choice here. We we do Dr. Pepper bottles. It, you know, if I'm going to drink a soda, that's the one I'm going to have is the Dr. Pepper's. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll go for a Mountain Dew or a Squirt, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Dr. Pepper is good. But yeah, the guys love Coke, so I just get them. I'd rather you know give them give them from free soda. But um, yeah, then uh, so then I have the ear tags. Of electronic tags because we will and then we have our gallagher hand wand reader because i'll do pairings um right. with the, i'll pair the u lamps to the mudder in the system so that we have that right um and then i have 
I have uh, ear tags for coals. So anything that's cold out, we put another ear tag in those. So, and cause if they still have a pair, but they maybe develop mastitis or something on one side, we'll cool it out. And we want to make sure we have a marker. Uh, yeah. This last, this last year, the coals, um, I had one U that was a little goofy and she ended up breaking the fence and I let all like 15 coals out into one of our drop bunches and they were mixing there for a month eating fantastic <laughs> feed. And yeah, eating great feed. Yeah. Yeah. But thankfully we had the tags, so we were able to sort them out afterwards, but um, tags. And then I have uh, a good knife for miscellaneous stuff. I got um, a, uh, a, a, uh, prolapse kit mm -hmm. i have that too a lot of chlorhexidine for that um yeah. and we use we use vetricin spray on the on the umbilicals we used to oh, use okay. the table dip but we went to the vetricin because we use less material and it's not as yeah. messy and it dries yeah. it up pretty good um and then uh and then as far as medicines we'll have xnl exceed a uh, little bit of depravo and then um dexamethasone is I always like that's a really good and then we have a little oxytocin too uh, so yeah that's generally we it that, we keep that kind of stuff on hand and we also keep a little bosi on hand yeah typically we try not to have to use an injectable yeah um so on end but but sometimes if you've got to give a, a lamb a little boost real yeah. quick that that can help up here use thiamine at all um we have we have on rare occasions. Um, yeah. Doesn't happen that we need it very often. And, but how about you guys? We use a lot of thiamine, actually. Yeah. 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 We. Yeah. I don't know. We. We just. I. We tend to use it for a lot of miscellaneous stuff. A lot. We have banamine too, that we'll yeah. use a lot. Yeah. We keep banamine on hand too. Um, well, what about? Uh, oh, and then we paint brand, so we paint number all our twins. Oh, okay. So, yeah. And we had, we used to, once again, back to the U. So we used to, so a twinned U would have two ranch brands, the pregnancy scan brand, and then would have a side number that matched the lambs. But then this last oh, okay. year, so we switched that and we've gone to now we have one ranch brand and then we uh, are eliminating the side brand to pair the twins. So we're just, we just put the same number on the lambs because typically if you're losing a twin, the other lamb will be with the U and so you'll be able to get the number from the other lamb rather than having to get to the U itself. Yeah. And so we, we yeah. eliminated that, that paint on that U. Uh, Are you using paint brands on those lambs? Or? Scourable, scourable okay. paint. Yeah. Yeah. Scourable yeah. paint. Yeah. Um, well, what about sheep handling? Do you portable corrals and how do you kind of set up and design a portable corral? We do use portable corrals and I think, kind of sheep handling would be another good topic down the oh. road but yeah we, uh, we use a um a homemade setup that that i built actually most of the panels for but we use a design that was um, put together by a guy named bud williams who was kind of a predecessor to temple grandin really a, a student of stockmanship and, and livestock behavior and it's it's set up so that when we release pressure from the sheep in the bud box, what we call the bud box, their way to escape pressure from us is to walk into the alley. And um, we don't have to force sheep. They actually, the ewes kind of know the system. I don't even have to go in there. They just 
they go in the box, turn around and walk up the alley on their own because they've done it enough times. Um, but that system, we, it's, it is portable. We can set it up, um, break it down and set it up in about an hour. And um, we can work, you know, we'll, we weaned in that a couple of weeks ago. So worked a hundred or so ewes and their lambs through there and got everybody sorted in um, about 45 minutes. So it's a pretty efficient, low stress system for us. And because we're moving back and forth from leased property, having something portable has been really handy. Do you, um, do you have any kind of rules? Like you want to, you know, don't put the load and shoot facing east or, you know, downhill versus up. Do you have any rules like that you like to? We, yeah, we try not to, to have to work them into the sun if we can, but sometimes we're limited by, by where we can set up. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's probably the main one. What, you know, I think Temple Grandin would suggest that you got to have solid sided alleys and, and some of those types of things. And we don't necessarily do that. Um, our panels are kind of the, the typical wood panels you'd see anywhere. Um, but our sheep respond to pressure well. And so I think it's good for them to be able to see us. We do have some rules when we're working sheep, nobody hangs a, a jacket behind the corrals or, you know, you don't tie a dog up where you're trying to move sheep into or things like that. But how about you guys? What, what, do you have portable systems and permanent systems? Yeah, we have uh, all the ranches, most of the ranches have permanent systems. But then we do have a set of portable corrals we use when we go out on alfalfa with pears or, or yeah. lambs, or if we need them somewhere else. Um, but in those are, they're, they're wooden panels. We build the panels ourselves. We kind of have a, uh, I don't know, it's, it's a design that's been used by, I think my grandpa and those guys figured it out back in the day. And we just, I haven't had the guts to try to change that because <laughs> it works pretty well. Yeah. Uh, the initial feed can be tough, but the once they're in, that goes well. Um, the one addition we did change was um, once they're in the corrals, then the front couple pens are solid paneled. Um, so we have their big, their solid panels, and then there's a gap on the top between the top board and the second to top board. And those work pretty good for um, just when we're working sheep different places, uh, marking lambs, things like that. Um, and it, it works really well. They, they feed pretty good into it. Um, we like to, what's that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, we, when we're, when we use those corrals, we tend to not load out of them very often. We're, I always, we try to have everything where we can walk. Um, but when we set them up for our, for our marking, um, we actually, rather than worrying about the sunshine, I always try to set it up. So, they're when they leave they're going back so they go into a corner and they're when they leave they're going out to the field and so we always want them to be going into the corner and then going out to that field if we put the corrals like in the middle of the field we can have a lot more problems where if we put it in a corner in the drain area because we don't want to damage the crop they can go in and then they're going out to that field and and i found that helps the flow tremendously mm -hmm. by mm -hmm. setting it up that way. But like I said, we still haven't made any changes to the design. Do you think that sheep get trained to whatever system you're using? If it's, if it's a pleasant experience for them. Yeah. It, and I, I would argue that even if it's unpleasant, they learn the system. Yep. And, and that's not 
encouraging unpleasant designs. That's just, I think it's a fact that if you, and that's that old you is pretty savvy. Yep. They, they understand same thing with the old cow. They know the system and yep. some old cows that don't like to be preg check know it's time for preg check and will be a pain just because of that. So it's, it works both yep. ways, yep. but, but they do know, they do get to learn how it goes. Uh, and, and lambs are a good, working lambs are a good, good way, good indicator of whether you have a good system or not, because it's their first yeah. time through a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if lambs flow, then the ewes can flow better, but there's a lot of difference between a lamb and how they react to pressure versus a ewe as well. So you can't always say that, but. Um. Well, and I think stockmanship would be a great topic down the road because I think watching you guys work, the times that I have and, and watching stockmen who I admire kind of that patience and, and on the fly adjustment to what the animals are telling you is, is a real critical component to any system. I think. Yeah. It's hard to teach too. A lot. It's, it's almost one of those things like my grandpa was getting back to about the, that some people just have it. Right. That it's a husbandry skill. And I don't think it's as refined and as hard to acquire as that, that, herdsman skill that he was describing but it's definitely harder to acquire than you know how to build a fence or some of those yeah things. absolutely absolutely yeah yep. so funnest question and, and uh, well we got to talk about dogs at the end i think a little bit but that kind of ought to be its own podcast topic i too yep. i think but i think the funnest question i have is is uh Usually when I go somewhere, especially if you go to Idaho and you look in a parking lot at a tractor supply, you can pick out the sheep man's truck <laughs> any day. And then you can darn near pick them out by their outfit too. And so yeah. I wanted to just get your thoughts on uh, how do you properly set up a sheep herder truck and what kind of clothes are you supposed to wear? How, what's, what's the style advice for becoming sheep herder? Uh, I will say I think it's it's interesting that you can go to a Western wear store and ask them for their cowboy hats and their cowboy boots. But if you start asking them for their sheep herder hats and their sheep herder boots, they have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I'm, maybe we need to devote a total episode to sheep herder fashion at some point we could we could um so the truck that's a good question i think you know racks are a dead giveaway yeah um i think um i think the other the thing i always worry about during lambing is that i'm going to get pulled over mm -hmm. and i'll have a spilled bag of milk replacer in the back seat and uh several used syringes in the ashtray <laughs> so <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> that white powder and, and all those spent syringes is probably not something you want to try to explain to the highway patrol. That's one of my favorites. So when I was when I was first doing this, I don't know, it was two years in. I was listening to the radio and I heard some story about oh, they, you know, so and so somebody was pulled over today off I eighty and there was but there was a bunch of hypodermic needles and syringes in his car and I just thought to myself. Heck yes, they got another drug addict bad guy. And then I looked down at my cup holder, and here's a bunch of hypodermic needles and syringes. I'm like, oh my gosh. It's <laughs> Maybe they're just a sheep herder. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's something all of us have, uh, have experienced. <laughs> yeah. Uh, seat covers, you know, with dog hair on them is probably a pretty good indicator too. That. Yep. You use sheepskin seat I, covers if you can afford them. I can't afford them. I should make my own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A, a sheep hook in the back of the truck or hanging on the racks is always a good sign, right? Yeah, yeah. Um let's see what else? Bail bailing there's always some bailing wire, like the old school wires hanging somewhere. Yep. A lot of times yep. twine, but always some wire. Always some wire, yep. Maybe one or two dog dog chains to dog chains is a good sign, yeah. When you get out on the range, almost all of those rigs have a giant some kind of uh, excessive amount of water storage and yep. um, and multiple spare tires. Oh yeah, right, right, right. Because you're driving in rough country all the yep. time. I had a Dodge that, that leaked in the rainy weather and I always put my dogs in the back seat and they'd of course have stickers and seeds and stuff on them and I, I grew a great crop of grass in the carpet in the back seat of that Dodge one winter. Yeah. My, my kids were so proud. The greenhouse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, what's a normal sheep herder attire in, in Rio Vista? How do, you, how do you tell them by their clothes? Well, the number one thing when you're a Montezuma Hills fire, a farmer, you reach a certain age and you earn suspenders. <laughs> and I, I haven't earned my suspenders yet. I'm still too young. But that the, all the old farmers, they always, you know, they hit a certain age and you get your suspenders. And um, it, it, you know, it sinks in with, with uh, growing a gut. And yeah, <laughs> that, exactly. you, always, you always earn your suspenders. I'm uh, working on that. I'm working yeah, on that. of course, you got your plaid and, and you got to have some kind of boots. Um, and then, of course, jeans and, and uh, short brim hats. Yep, your your hat can't be very long because uh, with the wind and everything, it just blows right off. I actually, personally, I really like wearing a wool beanie in the winter when we're lambing. Uh, I really like a wool beanie because I can. A lot of times, if I'm milking out a ewe or something, I can take my head and push it in there. I don't have to worry about the brim getting stuck yep. in anything. That always works pretty good, and that wool it absorbs the moisture and keeps it from running down your face. I wear a wool beanie or a, a wool Stormy Cromer hat that has the flaps you can kind of slide down. I'm jealous of that hat. I, I want to get those one are, of those one of these days. I think Jeff bought hat. one. <laughs> yeah. uh, you should tell him not to take fashion advice from from somebody like I me. I know. Well, he's not. A, he he's a self-acclaimed not a sheep man. So I, I don't know what true. he's doing wearing a sheep hat. I, I think he is a sheep man. <laughs> a closet sheep man. I think yeah. 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 But yeah, yeah, especially when you get out to the kind of those mountain states and those places, a short brim hat's probably the biggest giveaway, I think. Yep. Yep. Either a a short brim straw in the summer or a short brim felt in the wintertime. Yep. Yep. And Levi's. Levi's rather than Wranglers, at least for the old timers I'm I've talked to. I'm glad I'm 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 a Levi guy, so I'm glad I (laughs) I, I did that. I didn't want to be a cowboy, so I went with Levi's instead of Wranglers. 
I someday they make 501s that have wool in them. Someday I'm going to own some. Of them. I've tried. I keep trying to find some. I'd love to have some, but I hear they're hard to find because they don't break down, and so you don't buy jeans anymore. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably true, isn't it? Yeah. Now I I mentioned that we went to the Pendleton factory store on our trip, and uh, I've got Pendleton shirts that are 15, 20 years older than I am. Yeah. That I still wear. And uh, that's, that's part of our product. You know, that it's so durable. That's pretty amazing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, I think we'll save the herding dog for another episode, but that obviously is an in, in irreplaceable tool on a sheep ranch. And I'll put a plug in for that future episode. One of my friends that has sheep in Oregon says, I've never been sorry when I left home if I had a pocket knife and a dog. Yeah. But if I left one of those two things at home, I always wished I had it. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, um, that's it for this week on, on Sheep Stuff You Should Know with Ryan Mahoney and uh, Dan Macon. And, and uh, uh, you'll be traveling next week, right? I'll be traveling. I'll be on a wool adventure next week. And uh, you're going to scrounge up a guest host sometime and go from there. That sounds good. We'll talk in a couple of weeks. You're all about your wool adventure. Sounds good. Take care, Dan. All, all right, good thanks, as always. Man. See ya. Have a great week. Thanks. thanks you too.